in your ministry. My name is uh, Lloyd, and I am uh, going to be starting our, our Advent series today. Um, Jesus the Incarnate Warrior. Um, when Jesus came, um, in order to share his life with the world, in order uh, to die that we might be restored uh, to God uh, in life, uh, an abundant life here of joy and peace and eternal life, uh, one of the things he also did is he came to defeat his enemy, his main enemy, Satan. And so this Advent will probably be a little different in that we're going to study how it is that God fights against his enemies and how he teaches us uh, in order that we might fight against his enemy, nam namely Satan and his demons. And so we start today, this morning, this service, this uh, series called The Incarnate Warrior. We're still going to be in Ephesians. Um, today I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. In subsequent weeks, Pastor Nick is going to take us all the way through uh, 20, unpacking the full armor of God. If you can turn in your pew Bibles to page 1781, we will look at Ephesians chapter 10, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. The full armor of God, and if not, you can read along with us on the screen if you'd like. He's just finished talking about how we live in the spirit and how that applies to our families and in our, our work lives. And he says this in terms of uh, practical instruction for, for us to live out our faith. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, one of the things that we see in the Gospel of Matthew, right after Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, the scripture shows us a very interesting thing. It says that, uh, and we'll read this in a, a minute, it says the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into the desert to take on his main enemy, Satan. And so at the very infancy of his work on earth, he does battle with his enemy. And he's really trying to show us, he's laying the groundwork for us, that uh, after uh, the church is established and after we receive his spirit, that we're going to join him, we're going to join God in his battle against Satan and, and demons. So let's look at this in Matthew chapter 4. Very briefly this morning, I want you to see that early on, right after his baptism, um, in fact, chapter 3, verse 9 says, this is my son after he's baptized, in whom I am well pleased. And this is kind of interesting, right after he shows he's well pleased, we have this very strange verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Come on with me. And so, and so if, 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 if God... If my dad, okay, right after I got to, of age, would say, now, Lord, you know, I want to take you out and all the people that hate you, I'm going to send you out to do battle against them. Come on. I'd be like, dad. 
But God is all-powerful, and God knew that uh, uh, Jesus, his son's work, in order to give us life, in order to give us freedom from the slavery of sin, he had to do battle against the one who held us in slavery, Satan. And so he sends them out to do battle with us. In, in, in verse 1, he says, uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit instantly with us to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days of fasting, being hungry, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then Satan, the adversary, the tempter, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, uh, preaching, uh, quoting Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3, verse 3. And God is trying to show us a very important lesson about doing battle against Satan. And what he's saying is that in terms of your needs in your life, in the fullness of your life, how you think and with your aspirations in your families and with your plans, he's saying the, the first and most important thing is God himself and your spiritual need for his direction and his instruction is more important than even your basic food. That's what Jesus says. He says, Satan, you're tempting me because you know I've, I've come, I fasted, and I'm hungry. And you, you, you say, show that you're God and, and turn bread and, and stones into bread. And Jesus says, don't you know, don't you know that more important than physical food is spiritual food? More important than the needs of my body are the needs of my soul, both, both currently and eternal life. And that's the first thing that we've got to know if we're going to fight against Satan is that God is more important than all of our other needs. That's the first thing we learn. And then secondly, the devil took him now, verse 5, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, this temptation, show yourself. If you bad, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And he, t he quotes scripture, Psalms 91, 11 through 12. He's quoting scripture. He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus understands the scripture and he understands how to apply it. Jesus answered him, he said, it's also written, quoting Deuteronomy again, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And here we learn that it's most important, if we're going to fight against the enemy, that we've got to trust God and not test God. Come on with me. That you've got to trust God and not test God. And Jesus shows us that he comes as an innocent baby, the scripture shows that Herod the king, when he found out the Messiah was born, went out and tried to kill all the young children of his time. So, so God has this child go into Egypt. He's, he's being attacked from the very beginning by Herod, by the Pharisees, later by the Roman leadership. He's, he's constantly under attack. But God knows, Jesus knows the Father and his goodness. He knows what his plan is for his life that he would die and rise again for our own lives, and he trusts him from beginning to end. And if we're gonna fight against the devil, and if we're gonna go through difficulties and trials, we've gotta have the same kind of trust. And yes, indeed, God will provide for you as you take on, as you live this Christian life. 
as you seek to reach non-Christians, as you endure persecution, he will protect you. And we've seen it in our lives, but we're not to put him to the test. We're to trust him and see that he's good. That's the second temptation. And then the third is this, the devil is persistent. He's got one more scheme. Again, he took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, I will give you all of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And this, this last temptation is maybe more heinous than the other two. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, my adversary, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Look at this temptation. Jesus knew he was the Messiah. And Satan says, you know, you don't have to go through the cross and death to become king of the world. I'll give that to you right? He, the, the, the liar will ju- I'll just, you can avoid difficulty and just take all the glory. And God didn't fall. Jesus didn't fall for this trap. He said, no, the kind of God, the real and only wise God of the universe, he's willing to give his life so that you can have your life. He, he'll die so that you can have life. He has the power to give his life and to take it up again. And in so, then he will give maximum grace. He will show that leadership is about grace and truth and not about self-centeredness and tyranny and slavery. So so that that this last temptation is, you know, if we're gonna fight against the devil, we've gotta know that there's only one true God and we've gotta know what his kingdom is like full of grace and truth. And so this morning, what I want you to know is this, that if we're gonna face the enemy, Satan and demons, and if we're gonna face the system of evil, we've gotta be well prepared. And uh, this text, these first uh, three verses of chapter uh, of six, 10 through 12, give us three principles that we need to live by. He says this, we must understand the source of our power in our preparation. We've got to understand the real enemy, and then we've got to understand how he works, what his schemes are. 6.10, we'll jump right in. Understand the source of our, of our power. Uh, Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. As we've been studying Ephesians, as we've been working through this series, uh, Paul has been showing us um, the, the way of life in Christ. He is saying to him that your God is humble, that your God loves by serving, that your God, Jesus, even prays to the Father. He's, he's showing us that our source, our power is in this lifestyle of Christ. It's being in Christ is our source of power. And th- the first thing I want you to point out and summarize for you from, from what we've read in Ephesians is that we've got to be humble, that our strength is in the fact that I can't do it on my own. The fact that I can't love my wife 30 years on my own. I can't love my children consistently on my own. I can't take care of my 89-year-old mom back in Chicago on my own or my brother in Lansing or all the stuff. I can't pastor the church on my own that I need Christ. I need his giftedness. And secondarily, as we move down, I need the fellowship of the saints in order to, to, to be who I am to be and that there aren't lone rangers in Christ. 
And that's why people like, like me who are kind of introverts need to be nudged by some of you who are not introverts to come on in, come on in. And let's, let's talk, let's, let's share what's really going on in your life. Let's work together in terms of you growing in Christ, in terms of us reaching the world for, for Christ. This is work that we've got to do in fellowship, not by ourselves. And so we do this stuff in Christ, in humility, in fellowship. And even Jesus, one of the, the neat things about Matthew 4, and while we looked at that, is when Jesus is fighting, he fights with the Word of God. The devil says this, make stones in the bread, and he says, don't you know it is written? And the devil says, test God, and Jesus says, don't you know it is written? Um, the devil says, I'll give you everything if you worship me, and he says, he knows, he turns, it is written. He looks to the Father's word in order to have victory. And this is because the real spiritual battle is a, is a battle for the mind. It's a battle for ideas. It's a battle in philosophy. It's a battle in worldview. And so it is written is the defense for the Christian against the ideas, the philosophies, the theologies, the non-biblical ones that try to capture us and show us a false way to live. We've got to be in the Word. And that's why we're here in this morning. That's why we go to Sunday school classes. That's why some of you will assemble in small groups and study Scripture together. It's because we are growing in our resources, our primary, our only offensive weapon against the enemy, which is the Word of God. And we're fighting in prayer. This morning I came in and, uh, uh, early. <laughs> My wife gets upset with me. I wake her up five or six in the morning when I got to preach to come on in. I come in and, and, and at seven o'clock and Harold, one of the ushers is here. One of our, our servers is here. And uh, he just starts to pray for me. And I'm so glad. Man, I, I covet your prayers. And you, I'm just a kind of average preacher. But even Paul, who was a more dynamic and a much more used preacher of God, here's what he says when he asks for people uh, in terms of coverage. He says this in Ephesians 6, he says, pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for I am an ambassador in chains. He's writing this, this uh, um, letter from prison and, and, and so I, I covered these prayers. And then when I came into the sanctuary, our head uh, uh, elder, Kent, he prayed for me. And here's the thing, I need those prayers. And here's the, the other thing, is I've got to pray for you. Because when you go out to your workplace, when you assemble with your friends, and when God gives you an open door, you need uh, to, to declare fearlessly God's love and grace, and you need to invite your friends into the kingdom of God. We need to partner together in this ministry of prayer. We need to cover each other um, in prayers that are within the will of God. And don't you know God wants us to invite more and more folks into his family? God, that's a prayer God will bless and answer. We need to pray for spiritual strength upon us, like boldness and strength. We need to pray for each other. And we need to be fully engaged. Uh, Colossians 3, 17 says, whatever you're doing in your life, 
Put Christ first. Be in Christ in everything. In your basketball, in your workout life, right? In your marriage. And when you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and catch the football game later on today, that God wants to be involved in that. Because when we involve him in, in, in that, his love, his grace goes with us into every aspect of our lives. And when, when non-Christians see us in places they don't think that we go, like Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> they'll recognize that we don't look so strange there and that, and that we can even embrace and share truth in the middle of chicken wings. Come on now. We need to be fully engaged. We, we can't compartmentalize our Christianity and, and be Christian here and not here. All, every part of our life, we're bringing Christ in. And we need to be thankful and joyful. I preached this last time, so I won't belabor the point here. Uh, six, uh, 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 10 and 12 says this, five, yes, yes, five, uh, says this. Um, Yes, 5.17. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is, 5.17. And don't be taken away by wine. Don't be drunk on wine. Don't let that fill you, which leads to debauchery, all kinds of sensual living. Don't leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with God's spirit and live in joy and praise, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit, and one of the reasons why so, so many, even non-Christians, love, Christian, love Christmas is they get the chance to sing these great Christmas carols. And there is something about singing the word of God to each other that enlivens our spirit. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit, sing and make music from your heart. Put your hearts into worshiping God. Put, experience the joy in worship. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything good and bad, difficulties and blessings, because it's in, in that, in rejoicing through trials, is one of the great ways we show that we are different, we are changed in our world, is that when our circumstances look bleak on the outside, we still have joy on the inside because we know how the thing is gonna turn out. So we rejoice. We live in Christ, and that reminds us that the source of our power is in Christ. That's point one. Point two is this one. We must recognize who the real enemy is. Ephesians 6 and 12. For our struggle is not against human beings. It's not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual entities, against rulers, against authorities, against the, against the powers of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm, since there's a typo there. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's against Satan, and it's against demons. But this can be hard for us to really buy into. Because if I'm truthful, most of my problems have people, seem people in my face. Problems at work, problems at home, problems in the ministry, they seem to be people in place. And Paul had the same problem. He had the same challenge. And he wrote about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says this. He says, we servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in every capacity in which we serve. 
And he had there's some tough words. He said, in great endurance through persecution, in troubles, in hardships, in, in distresses. What kind of distresses? In beatings in, from his various imprisonments. In riots in, the, in Ephesus, a city in Asia, where the Christian, the, the gospel is going forward and the merchants, uh, people are no, are no longer buying idols to worship. They're, they're, they're coming in fellowship in God and their businesses are being hampered. And that causes a riot through riots of being uh, beaten to an inch of his life. And so we see these challenges against people. And, but what God wants us to recognize is that yes, Human beings are um, oppressed, uh, impacted, uh, uh, influenced by sin. The, the primary actor, is, the father of sin is Satan. E- even in, in Genesis, Eve and Adam don't come up with sin on their own. Uh, the influence of Satan, right? The angel of lights cast down from heaven because he wanted to be greater and higher than God. It's his influence that ushers in sin into the world. And Paul explains it. He says, as for you, any Christian, and that's why we Christians can't be proud. We're just sinners just like everyone else. As for all of us, he's saying, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ways of sin and self-centeredness. When you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that would be Satan, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived like this. Come on with me. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And so what God is trying to say is that, is that Satan is the primary actor. And so every individual sinner is responsible God has given us a conscience. We're made in the image of God. We are responsible for the things that we have, but there's one who's more responsible, and that's the author, the father of lies, right, and the father of sin. And we need to recognize that we're doing battle. There's no need to fight against the pawns when the kingpin is sitting here, amen? Even in our legal system, when, the, the, when, when our um, law enforcement, they try to go for the kingpins, they know that there's people on the streets doing stuff, but they want to know the source. They want to cut the head off the source. And so it is with God. He wants to redeem the pawns, human beings who don't know Jesus, and he wants to kill, and ultimately he will set aside the chief of sinners. We've got to recognize who the real enemy is. This is a true story. A dad at our church told me his daughters were fighting. And he had an older daughter, younger daughter at his home, and he went and break the, broke the fight up and took the oldest daughter aside. He's going to take both daughters aside. He goes to the older daughter and he said, now who won the fight? And the oldest daughter looks at him and said, dad, you think she can beat me? Come on, dad. And the dad looks at her seriously and said, no, 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 who won the fight? And she thought about all the sermons she'd heard, and in the Sunday school, all the training she'd had, and she said, Dad, Satan won the fight. That's right. The enemy is, wins when we turn against each other, when we fall into all kinds of wickedness, when we live lives not worthy of the gospel. It's the enemy that's, that wins the fight when our marriages fall apart, 
our friendships fall apart, our ministries fall apart, it's the enemy that wins. And so God wants us to recognize who the real enemy is so that you will see people as those who are to be won over and that you're going to fight differently. You're not going to fight with your hands to beat them up. You're going to fight with love to wear them down. You're not going to fight with your hands to beat them up. You're going to fight with love to wear them down. And you're looking at me, Lloyd, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about Romans chapter 12. I'm talking about Romans chapter 12 around verse 14, where Paul tells us how to fight, not like human beings normally would fight, with mean words and with physical intimidation and so forth, not like that, but with love. He says in verse 14 of chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. So that if you're struggling with a friend right now for Christ, the thing to do is to pray for them and to serve them in kindness. Blessed, don't curse. The thing to do is rejoice with those who are rejoicing and even when the boss you don't like has a death in the family, to be able to empathize with them, to, to get a card and pick up a meal and tell them you're, you're mourning with them, that you're sorry, that I'm praying for you, to mourn with those who mourn, both in the church and both out of the church. And we need to be practicing trying to live in harmony with each other in our families, in our churches, in our office places, right? Especially among Christians, but even among non-Christians. Our objective is to live in a sense of unity and harmony as much as we can, right? As much as it depends on us. Don't be proud, thinking that we're smarter and better. Be willing to associate with people of low position. And I find this is a problem even in the church. Even in the church, there's popular people, that folks want to be around, and then there are others that are more difficult to be around. And God is trying to say to us, if we're going to love the way he loves, if we're going to fight against the enemy, we're going to take those who tend to get isolated so that the enemy can come against them with doubts and, and fears and, and bring them down in the sin. We're actually going to come around the, the one of the humble and protect them. And that's how we can fight against the, de the devil. It's to not pray favoritism among us. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And verse 21 is the summary. He says this, he says, we can't overcome evil with evil, but we come evil with good. One of my favorite movies uh, is a Sidney Poitier uh, uh, film. He plays a law enforcement officer in the 50s or 60s in the South. I can't remember the name of the film, but I, I saw a clip of it here recently. And uh, uh, he and the sheriff are going in to uh, encounter a, a store owner. And uh, the store owner isn't used to, and this is the 50s, and this is in the South. He isn't used to a black authority figure. And so uh, Sidney's character says something to him, and he slaps him. He also slaps him, right? And Sidney Poitier is like, just back and slaps him again. And I was like, yeah, that's right. No, that's, that's actually wrong. 
when Jesus was uh, slapped, he, he, he rebuked him. He said, if I did something wrong, tell me what I did wrong. But if I'm right, then why don't you believe what is right? He fought with righteous words. And so we've got to learn in, in Christ. And this is hard. I'm not going to lie. This is hard. This is difficult. We've got to learn how to fight appropriately. We've got to fight in order to win people into Christ. And we're going to take some blows, but we're actually going to win the war. In fact, the war has already been won in Jesus Christ. Come on now. He's already going to come. He's already going to settle the score. What he's saying in his verses, I'm going to take care of it. If they don't come around in salvation to me, there's a, com there's a coming time where there won't be any more grace and there won't be any more forgiveness. It's only going to be judgment. And so God is going to come and set the thing straight. But for now, for now, we respond in grace. Because that's when it's, it's the Lord's kindness that leads people to repentance. That's in 2 Peter. So it's his kindness that leads all of us. It's his love that led us to the cross of forgiveness. So we got to remember to wear people down with love and not beat them down with our fists, both in the church and outside of the church. Last point, we must take a stand against the enemy and his schemes. I want to concentrate on schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil. What, what he's telling us and what Pastor Nick will preach more completely in the weeks ahead, he's saying that we've got to be protected from head to toe. That we've got to have the helmet of salvation and the gospel of, uh, of peace has got to be on our feet. And that any place that's exposed is where the enemy wants, will attack you and will bring you down. And so we need to be alert, and we've been preaching that over this series. We need to be careful in terms of how we, we live and what we think. And I just want to talk about just a handful of the devil's schemes. He's got many schemes. These are a few of his common schemes. The main thing he wants to do, he wants to destroy your faith. He doesn't care if you believe in Buddhism or humanism or if you're an atheist. As long as you don't believe in Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, raised for your new life, that, that we would then live in the fullness of life and all righteousness. As long as you don't believe in that, you can believe anything you want. So he'll come with any kind of lie to get you off the scripture. And so we come every Sunday and we learn and, and study and we, we do our own devotionals, right? And we're very careful. I'm reading a book about Catholic social teachings and 99% of it I'm on board with. But there's 1% of this kind of Western kind of self-sufficiency um, uh, self that I just recognize. I said, I don't see that in Ephesians. I see humility. I see service. I see a dependence on Christ. I don't see a, a, the entitlement. So in everything, we've got to be careful to root out what is evil and keep what is good. Because he wants to introduce a little bit of a lie and lead you astray away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and into unfaithfulness, unbelief, and, and damnation. And our armor is truth, that we take all thoughts captive because we know the truth. And we even discipline our own selves. When we sin, we catch ourselves and say, that was wrong, let me apologize, let me get that right, let me ask for forgiveness of God and my brother if I, sister if I need to, and let me get right with the Lord. We fight by truth, that's the first thing. The, next, the other thing is he's trying to divide us. 
He's trying to divide the churches. If you pay attention to media about some of the great churches in Wisconsin and Chicago, they've been going through hell in terms of division, in terms of getting away from the mission. And that's what Satan, that's what he wants to do. He wants to divide the church. And a lot of what he'll do is he'll cause pride. That's why in 1 Timothy, when he's talking about the deacons and uh, the preachers, is that one of the things you need to watch for in choosing an elder is you need to watch for pride. And that's why you don't appoint a novice. That's why they need to have some experience because you want to you be careful that you get the wrong, self-sufficient, prideful, can't tell them anything, won't yield to anybody type leader. Which if I'm honest, I, I can see that evidence of myself at earlier ages in my life. Come on. Self-sufficiency and pride. That's another tool to divide us because a, a divided church won't be, won't be bringing anybody into the kingdom of God. We've got to stand in humility, and we've got to serve each other. Lastly, Satan wants to do this. He wants us to fall into blatant and utter sin. And he knows exactly where your thing is. He'll tempt you in the places where you tend to be weak, he knows about it if you don't want to admit it. And we would do well to be in fellowship, be in small group, share intimately with our close friends, ask for their accountability, and, and walk in self-control. Since God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, including self-control, that we can walk in self-control now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. In us, But God, what, what Satan would want to do is for our churches to be carnal and full of sins and slavery, because that, of course, would destroy our testimony. And so these three are some common ways, schemes, common schemes that the devil uses to destroy us. So we got to face the real enemy, and we've got to be prepared. And our preparation has to do with our minds. We gotta know some things, we gotta obey the truth, and we gotta be careful, we gotta be able to weed out falsehood from truth by, by virtue of discipline and experience. We gotta be able to weed out what is false and retain what is true. And we gotta recognize that the enemy is not human beings, that there's a power that's higher and more influential behind it all. And we've got to take a stand against the enemy just like Jesus took a stand. And that's why at the very beginning of his ministry, it's the spirit that leads him out to take a stand. And it's the spirit that leads you and I out today to take a stand against evil wherever we might find it. And Jesus was prepared. And one of the great ways in which he trapped the devil is the devil was deceived and he thought if he could kill the one, Christ Messiah, that he could defeat, he could defeat God. But it was just with the very opposite thing, the cross, which turns out to be our greatest defense against the devil. Did you know that? The cross is our greatest defense against the devil because at the cross, God defeats sin 
and death and slavery and utter hopelessness. It's at the cross where Christ dies for us and raises himself uh, to life through the power of the Holy Spirit is that's the place where we gain our victory. And that is the, that is the ultimate place of our stand in Christ Jesus. Colossians, Paul says it this way. He says in Colossians 2, 13 through 15, you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that is in your carnal behaviors, not, not kept back by the spirit, left onto your own self, he's saying, God made you alive in Christ through repentance and faith. He forgave all of our sins and he concludes, he says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities that would be Satan and his demons, he made a public spectacle of them on the cross, triumphing over them by the cross, that in his resurrection and in the church being established and in the gospel going forward, despite the, the death and killing of the early the, the apostles, that the movement couldn't be stopped and that it goes on even in our own lives and in our own time, he's made a spectacle of Satan, showing that he, Satan doesn't have power for sin and death, that God has even power over that through the resurrection. And he gives us the victory. One of the really neat things that's going on at High Point, especially this year, is we've had about 50 baptisms. The great majority of these are people who didn't know Christ and who've come to Christ through the ministry at High Point Church. We have 50 baptisms, so much so that in this particular sermon, when I talked to Ashlyn, our communications director, and I said, Ashlyn, I want to tell people that they can come to faith today and get baptized next week when, when we're going to have baptism. She's like, Lloyd, we're full. We, we got a full slate. And so being humble and working in, in, with collaboration with the rest of the church, I was like, okay. And so if you, if God has convinced you of his salvation, and if you're ready to come with him in, in repentance and faith in Christ as Lord, then I want to say to you, one of the things you can do is come on and take the first step of obedience and be identified with his death to sin and his rise to righteousness, which is what baptism points to. And you can go out to highpointchurch.org baptism and you can meet with me this week and get baptized in January if I don't sneak you to a swimming club before then. <laughs> we don't want you to wait to make your commitment to Christ because we know tomorrow isn't promised to any of us. So in your hearts, even now, confess Christ and he'll change you. Even on the spot, he will give you his Holy Spirit and you'll go out of the building knowing that you're, you're new. And you can check with me at the Welcome Center because I'll be there for a few minutes or we'll have a prayer team. You see some of them prepared for us right here. You can come and pray with them. But there's many ways that we are available to receive you into the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus. Worship team, you can come on up. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for uh, giving us the victory over Satan. Satan's key tool is to lead us into sin. He's the father of sin and the father of lives and death being 
separated from you like he is. That's, those are his weapons. Those are his massive, major weapons. But in you, Father, we have resurrection of life. And uh, we thank you for that. And we thank you that every person, there's enough space in the church. There's enough room in your kingdom for every one of us. There's no lack of spiritual resources. And we thank you for that. Because you have taken on the enemy and defeated him. And you have shown us how to do battle. Once we come to faith in you, Father, we are prepared for him. And uh, we thank you for that. It, it humbles us to know that you, we have victory when we are in Christ and not in the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.